We are also grateful to have our guest speaker, John Payne, with us this morning. John and his wife, Kim, have been married since Valentine's Day of 1987, and they have two grown married daughters, Kristen and Jessica. Together, John and Kim have faithfully impacted hundreds of students and adults uh, through retreats and missions and have led many inner city, international, and local missions trips. John has been in vocational ministry for over 30 years and most recently became the district superintendent of the Forest Lakes District of the Evangelical Free Church of America in November 2016. Uh, So I'll welcome him up shortly, but first I'll read our scripture for today. Um, This morning we're continuing in our sermon series, The Gospel According to Jacob, and our scripture reading is Genesis 30, 25 through 31, 18. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages, and I will give it. Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you, and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, What shall I give you? Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. But that day, Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black of the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock, that they might breed among the sticks. Before the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's, and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly, and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, 
return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see, all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have, been, I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has in indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his prosperity that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Paddan Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Well, good morning. That's quite a text. I was giving Nate some grief saying, you gave me that text, but I'm happy to preach that text, and it's been fun studying it the last uh, number of weeks. Um, I just want to start out by saying thank you to Redeemer City for being part of the Forest Lakes District and just let you know that as a result of our partnership, God is at work. <laughs> last Sunday, a church um, in Sturgeon Bay voted almost unanimously to come into the Forest Lakes District. I prayed this morning, there's a church that's a little bit west of here that is voting today to join the Forest Lakes District, and then on the 30th of this month, there's another church just south of here uh, that is looking to plant two other churches in its county that is voting to become part of the Forest Lakes District. Uh, last year, we welcomed Pastor Isaac in the church here that meets at Redeemer City. We also welcomed uh, the first Arabic church in Milwaukee that's part of the Forest Lakes District. And uh, we have a church in the next couple weeks, Lord willing, in Whitewater that's another Hispanic church that will be welcoming. And so um, one of the dreams when I became district superintendent was that I said I would love to see a gospel, vibrant preaching presence within 25 miles of everyone who lives in Wisconsin. We wouldn't make it hard to go to hell from Wisconsin. We've got a lot of work to do because Wisconsin's the only state that has the word sin in it, right? <laughs> so by God's grace, we're up to over almost 150-some churches. Uh, in the last six years, we've added almost 50-some churches to our, our district. And uh, God is at work. And that's why I wanted to say thank you to you as Redeemer City because you're part of that redemptive story of what God is at work doing. 
So thank you for your partnership in the gospel and thank you for your support of the Forest Lakes District. And um, it's a joy for me to be here. My first, I, I was here when you were finishing kind of the room. I, I came in when the bathrooms were being painted. I saw that taking place and some of the other things and carpet being laid. And so it's such a joy to be here. What a beautiful building that God has given to you. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you'd open them to Genesis chapter 30, this series is the gospel according to Jacob, looking at how the grace of God meets us in our life and changes us. Jacob is a deeply broken individual. He was born coming out as a twin, grabbing onto the heel of his brother Esau. His name, matter of fact, means one who trips or grabs to cause one to trip. And he's a deceiver. That's really kind of his character. However, Genesis 48 verse 15 says this. This was him speaking at the end of his life. He says, God, he has been my shepherd all my life along, long, long to this day. So in all of Jacob's doubts, wanderings, struggles, and questions, he looks back and says, God has been there for him throughout the entire journey. This period where we find Jacob is a 20-year time span in his life. Um, Jacob uh, has been in this stress-filled relationship with his father-in-law, Laban. Uh, you've heard what the definition of mixed emotions is, right? Mixed emotions is when you get a brand new Corvette and your mother-in-law and father-in-law drive it over a cliff. That's mixed emotions. That's a horrible joke. I love my mother-in-law. She tells me all the time, because my wife is an only child, she said, you are my favorite son-in-law. I'm her only son-in-law. And she said, you're the best son-in-law in the world. However, Jacob didn't have a great relationship with his father-in-law, Laban. It was very toxic. And while fleeing from his brother Esau, Jacob comes to Haran, which is northern Iraq today. That's in Mesopotamia then. it was, But today, that's northern Iraq. He comes there. And he comes fleeing from his brother Esau, who he stole the birthright from. There he meets Rachel, who is drop-dead gorgeous. And he falls in love with Rachel, and he says to Laban, I want to marry your daughter. And so Laban very cunningly says, well, if you want to marry her, you work seven years for me, and then you can have Rachel as your wife. And this is kind of by way of review. You've already been here, but just quickly to add to the story. So he works for seven years, and there's the wedding. And on the night of the wedding, he goes in and then uh, is with his wife, wakes up the next morning, and when the light comes in, he realizes that it's not beautiful Rachel, but it's the Bible used kind of kind terms to say that Leah wasn't the most beautiful woman in the world. And it's the older sister that he's married to. So he goes to his, father his now father-in-law Laban and says, what in the world? I've worked the last seven years for Rachel's hand in marriage. I've, you know, blood, sweat, and tears served you, and you pull a fast one on me. Well, he says, you can work another seven years, and then Rachel can be your wife. So this is where we find uh, Jacob. And if Jacob wants to marry Rachel, he must work for Laban for another seven years. So he agrees, and what else could he do? Jacob says to Laban, you deceive me. And this is the kind of the first thing that I see in this text is that Jacob's life of deception came back to visit him. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, there's going to be coming a reaping day. 
Jacob had deceived his dad, Isaac. He deceived his brother Esau. And now his father-in-law, Laban, deceives him. Behind Laban's deception, however, stands Almighty God who's bringing Jacob's lifetime pattern of deceit back around to him. You see, he had tricked Esau out of his birthright. Now he was forced to marry the older sister Leah first, thus honoring the birthright of the tradition of that area to have the first daughter married first. He deceived his father Isaac into giving the birthright, and now he was deceived by his father-in-law Laban. Divine justice is at work in this story. Whatever an individual sows, God's Word says, there is a reaping or there's a cause and effect. Jacob ends up on the receiving end of this great deception. And the con man is now conned. (laughs) The cheater is cheated and the deceiver has now been deceived. And he can't do anything because he's only reaping what he sowed earlier. So seven more years pass and now Jacob is anxious to return home. In these 14 years, he's gained 11 sons, six by Leah, one by Rachel, two by the handmaids of Rachel and Leah, and a daughter. And the only thing that he hasn't gained is wealth because he's been working for his father-in-law for these 14 years. All his labor has gone to increase Laban's influence, his flocks, and his wealth and his herds. Jacob has a huge family, (laughs) but he doesn't have the means to support them. So that's where our text begins in Genesis chapter 30, verse 25. However, Rachel's, the, the woman that he loved, was unable to have children, and now she's able to bear a child and she gives birth to Joseph. And the text tells us that when Joseph was born, that Jacob had a desire in his heart to go 300 miles back to where his father Isaac was and go back to the land that had been promised to him, to his grandfather Abraham to his father Isaac, and to the place that almost 20 years earlier he had... I I laugh every time I read this in Bethel that it says that he put a rock under his head to sleep. I don't know about you, but I I don't think a rock is very... Sometimes I stay in a lot of hotels, and sometimes I feel like the hotel pillows are like a rock that I want to take out in the parking lot and run over with my car a few times because they're so so rock-like. And yet he's sleeping on this rock. He sees angels descending and ascending on this ladder. And God says to him, I'm the God of your father, Abraham of, of Isaac. And I, I want you to know that I'm going to bless you. That wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. And God makes this promise to, to, to Jacob. And so he wants to go back. And so um, he says to Laban, I want to go back. And Laban says to him, I've found favor in your sight. I've, I've learned by definition that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Let me just say this about Laban. Laban uses the word Yahweh here to describe the Lord, but he had no faith whatsoever in Jacob's God. Laban was a stinker. He he was an ungodly man. And he was, the divination is talking about how he used uh, things of his gods and his statues that you're going to hear about next week that, that Rachel steals. So when he says that your God has blessed me, he uses the term Yahweh because he's trying to suck up to his son-in-law and tell him that he's trying to, to have him be uh, hearing the same language that they're speaking, and yet Laban was an ungodly man. And he says, name your wages and I'll give it to you. But before we go on, the principle deserves some elaboration. <laughs> Laban was this ungodly, ruthless man, 
And Jacob, for all his moral weakness, is a deep man of faith in, in Jehovah God. Both men agree on this remarkable fact that God has blessed a bad man because of a good man working for him. That's the second principle we see here. Laban was blessed because of Jacob. Look at verse 27. It says, The Lord has blessed me because of you. You know, God promised Abraham years ago, Jacob's grandfather. He says, I will bless you and you'll have a great nation. It'll be like the stars of the, the heavens. And from your family, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Here is part of that happening. Jacob's father-in-law Laban, this ruthless, godless man, is blessed because of his son-in-law Jacob and his faith in Almighty God. This, this concept occurs all throughout Scripture. We see when God promised to spare Sodom and Gomorrah if ten righteous people could be found in Genesis chapter 18. We see it when God prospers Potiphar because Joseph, the son of Jacob, when he was sold into slavery in Egypt, working in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's house increased and grew and everything that, that Joseph touched his hands to prospered. So wicked people prosper because of the righteous. Jesus refers to this in the life of you and I as Christ followers and He says in John 5, or Matthew 5.13-16 that believers are the salt of the earth which is a preserver. Preservative, and we are the light of the world. Salt purifies, preserves, and slows the process of decay while light illuminates, dispels darkness, and uncovers reality. So Jacob and Laban's relationships illustrate the concept that God blesses the people of the world because the people of God are nearby. God wants to bless His children. He will even bless the deceitful people of the world through them. Looking at verses 29 and 30, then Jacob says to Laban, his father-in-law, you yourself know how I've served you these 14 years, how your livestock have fared with me, for you have little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you when, wherever I turn. So Jacob offers Laban a deal that he can't refuse. When he says he wants to leave, I'm going to stay and I'm going to work for you, but here's the deal. Uh, we're going to go ahead and separate the, the livestock, and I'm going to go ahead and any livestock from now on that are born that either have spots or stripes on them, they're going to be mine. Well, Laban says, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and take any of them that are now spotted and striped, and I'm going to remove them, and these are mine, they're going, and I'm going to send you over to another pasture with some of my flock, of which are not spotted or striped, and any that are born... Here he is using genetics already, saying, well, if I give you sheep and goats that are over here and they don't have any stripes or defects to them, then they're probably not going to give birth to those. So Laban's thinking, what a great deal. Any, any of these livestock that are born that now have stripes or spots on them, sure, you go ahead and have them. And so evidently Laban's sheep were white and his goats were dark. And since like tends to produce like. Not many speckled or streaked sheep or goats were born, but that's what Jacob agreed to do with, for his wages. And Jacob is now also saying, I will not only keep the goats born in the future that are speckled, spotted, and streaked of lambs, but the ones that are dark colored. And by removing the goats and lambs that already fit that description, he was vo virtually guaranteeing that his plan would not 
produce success. And no wonder Laban agrees to this. So the experiment begins. In verses 37 to 42, it tells us that Jacob took these sticks and placed them in the troughs trying to have the the livestock when they came uh, to see if by this, what I would call probably a wise tale of that day, that maybe that would help produce the type of livestock that would have the spots and the streaks on them. Well, after six years of this, the results were in. And Genesis 30, verse 43 tells us this, Thus the man, that's Jacob, increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Don't don't miss, miss this point. God blessed Jacob so much that He blessed Laban on Jacob's account. Later when Jacob made this deal that seemingly was against his own best interests, God blessed him even when the deck was stacked against him. God was keeping the promise that He'd made while He was sleeping on that rock in Bethel. That He would be with Him and that He would bless Him and give Him a great inheritance. One Bible commentator summarizes the situation this way, quote, This arrangement clearly was highly favorable to Laban, of very doubtful value to Jacob. Indeed, it was an act of pure faith on Jacob's part. He had put himself entirely at God's mercy And it would be up to the Lord to indicate by a very unlikely set of circumstances whether Jacob should prosper personally or not. Jacob is counting on God. Friends, if God is on your side, it doesn't matter if you are dealing with unscrupulous people. God will come to your defense. If God is on your side, He can take the solids of life and turn them a thousand speckled sheep. He can do it because He is God. God overruled the normal course of things and used this unfavorable plan to bless Jacob and keep His promise to him. When God wants to work in the life of an individual, He can work regardless of the circumstances. Now, does that mean that everything's going to be peachy keen if you're a follower of Jesus Christ? No. He may choose for you a road of suffering. And like Paul, when Paul said, Lord, will you please remove this suffering, this thorn in my flesh? Three times he asked God to remove it, and God's response was this. Paul, no, but my grace will be sufficient for you. And so friends, God's grace is sufficient for your every need. His healing in your life may not come in this lifetime. It may come in an ultimate healing and glorification in your body. The things that were wrong where you've been wronged, you may not see it in the immediate future, but God is working behind the circumstances and God will right wrongs. You may not see it, but God is righteous and just. So when God wants to bless an individual, He will bless them regardless of the circumstances. So the 20 years in Haran are almost over. Seven working for what he thought was Rachel when he got Leah. Seven working for Rachel and now six years of building his flock. And he came to town expecting to spend a few months or perhaps just a year there, but it's been 20 years. 
The time has finally come to go home. You remember that when Joseph was born in the previous chapter, Jacob went to Laban and said, I want to go back to my father Isaac's home. So God put a desire in his heart. And now in chapter 30, verse 1, Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what our father's, he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him in, with favor as before. And the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. I want you to kind of notice God's moving Jacob. He put a desire in his heart when Joseph was born. And then God used circumstances where a relationship that I would say between Laban and Jacob had been tension-filled, now it's toxic. <laughs> the relationship that once was strained is now hostile with his father-in-law and his brother-in-laws aren't make it any easier because they're calling him a thief. So God uses this desire in his heart when Joseph is born. He now uses the circumstances of a tension-filled relationship that's become toxic. And then the word of the Lord came in verse 3. The Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and of your kindred, and I will be with you. And then verses 14, 4 to 18 Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. Just a side note here. It's one thing if your wages are changed ten times and it's in a different trajectory. Anybody for that type of a change in your wages? <laughs> yeah, right? Jacob's saying to his wives here, he goes, Ten times your father has cheated me and my wages have gone this way in the other direction. Just kind of a side note here. Jacob, who, as Pastor Nate said last week, was not wise when his wife talked about not being able to bear children and he didn't listen to her, he kind of spiritualized and preached at her <laughs> rather than entering in with empathy to her. Maybe he learned his lesson because he calls his wives out to tell them his plan that he wants to leave. And I would just say this to you men in this room, if you're married, listen to your wife. <laughs> God has given you one another and a man who listens to his wife, that means that you take the counsel. That doesn't mean necessarily that the decision is necessarily that way. But the man who doesn't listen to his wife is like what Mr. T used to say, pity the fool. The man who doesn't listen to his wife. And here we see Jacob who is talking to his wives and asking them about this plan to leave and to go to the land where they had never been before, 300 miles from where they had lived their entire lives. <laughs> and so, as he's interacting with these women, <laughs> with his wives, their response is to, the, to him, has not our father, as it says in verse 15, well, let me go back to verse 14, it says, Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, to Jacob, when he told him the plan, 
Is there any portion of our inheritance left for us in, the, in, in our father's house? Seven years of labor that Jacob had done for Leah's hand and seven years for uh, Rachel's hand, the dowry that was supposed to go back to, because that's part of the tradition of the customs of those days, is that you would pay. And so the dowry that Jacob had amassed that was supposedly being held by Laban, these two daughters said he's wasted it away. And verse 15, he says, Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, let's do it. <laughs> so the wives recognized that their father was also an unscrupulous individual. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels, which is a horrible way to ride if you've ever been on a camel. He drove away all his livestock, all his property, all that he had gained. Interesting, when he moved his flock, he'd already moved them in the direction of heading to go back to be with his father so that he had already had one foot out the door. And he gathered all of them to go to the land of Canaan to go back to see his father Isaac. You know, Laban kept Jacob working for 20 long years. After this time in Haran in northern Iraq, Jacob is a changed man. He returns to the promised land exactly as God had promised. He left alone, and now he returns with this large family. He left penniless, and now he returns as a wealthy man. He left younger, now 20 years have been added to his life, and he's much wiser and richer, wiser and older. Most importantly, the greatest days of his life are in front of him. What are some lessons that we can learn in closing from Laban? Well, God often sends difficult people to us who have the peculiar gift of bringing out the worst in us. Do you have anybody in your life that irritates you? I won't look around. If they're sitting next to you, I really apologize. Difficult people force us to come to grips with our hidden weaknesses, don't they? Jacob had lived his life relying on trickery and deceit to get what he wanted, and Laban turned the tables on Jacob, forcing him to take a dose of his very own medicine. And after 20 years in Haran, Jacob would at least think twice before being deceptive. However, we're going to see right away in the next couple of chapters of Genesis, there's more deceit on the horizon. And Jacob now knows how his brother Esau felt when he stole the birthright. Difficult people force us to examine our motives carefully. And the very end, we'll thank God that when we spent time with a Laban, even though it seemed unfair at the time, because we discovered truth about ourselves that we might not learn in any other manner. What are some lessons that can be learned from the like of Jacob in this particular text? Friends, you reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 7, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, there will be a day of reaping. Another thing we learn from Jacob is there is a cost for deceiving others. Deception has its price. Third, we learn that God's ability to bless in spite of difficult circumstances. God kept his word. He told Jacob that he would bless him. He told his father, that Isaac, that he would bless him. He told his grandfather Abraham that he would bless him, and God is keeping his word of blessing.
That's the fourth thing we learn is that God keeps his promises. You know, although these 20 years weren't pleasant or easy, God used this difficult experience with his father-in-law Laban to develop godly character in Jacob's life and to prepare him for future dependency upon God. One of the things that I think is amazing from the life of Jacob, and you'll probably hear this over and over throughout this series, is the fact that even though he was a deceptive man filled with trickery and etc., God in his, in his grace and His goodness allowed the 12 tribes of Israel to come from His family. And beyond that, God brought the line of David and the line of Jesus. The Messiah came from Jacob's family. Talk about the grace of God. The grace of God extending when Imperfect people encounter a righteous, loving God who in His grace and in His mercy brought from this line of a deceiver the Messiah, the one who would save the world. That Jesus was born from this line. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness to Jacob even when he was unfaithful. God, I pray that um, the lessons that we see in the life of Jacob, that, uh, Lord, the grace that you showed, your mercy, and God, your faithfulness, a blessing to him, that, God, we would see that and we would have hope to know that, God, you're the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you are the same God today, that you are still working, Right here in Fitchburg, Wisconsin, you are at work. God, may we recognize your work. May we join you in that. And God, may we love you even more because of the grace and the mercy that we have received. We thank you in Jesus' precious name.